Well, good morning, Dallas Bible Church. It is such a pleasure and a delight to be here with you, and I love saying this, in your homes. You know, let's kind of call out some obvious, Kevin and Kelly Lawson, I love that you're in the living room, and I hope that some of your kids are paying attention. I know that my kids in the living room are, are coloring, so Maya, Nadia, Selah, Jude, you're coloring. I think that's kind of fun, but maybe listen in a little bit today. I love the fact that God has empowered the body of Christ to take the leadership in their homes. And my prayer is is that today you'll feel even more so uh, than ever before. You know, I'm humbled, I'm honored that Pastor Aaron would ask me to be a part of this sermon series. I remember when we were texting back and forth a couple weeks ago, and he said, you know, since Easter, we really want to emphasize the resurrection. And I love how Aaron's been tying in the resurrection of how it helps us overcome fear. I love how the resurrection, as Aaron even mentioned last week, it helps us give us freedom. But when I got the text from Aaron that said, hey, would you pray through and speak about the resurrection power in our lives, if only Aaron could have seen my response. You know, for me, it is who I am. It's understanding and embracing the only thing that I can do. It has to come from him. And so I love the fact that Aaron even just said, would you even, you know, consider doing Ephesians 1 as your text? And I just felt like the Lord gave me the message and the text, and he said, now you pray into this, Kyle. And so as I began to process this, I have to tell you, I love this topic. You know, when I went to to Dallas Seminary, a former professor of mine, Pastor Tom, uh, Dr. Tom Constable, he, he, he wrote this. He said, Ephesians reveals that the church is part of God's eternal, uh, eternal plan. And it grows as a result, listen to this, the church grows as a result of God's power working through believers' lives, overcoming their spiritual enemies. And so the way that the Ephesian church grew, the church of Ephesus grew, was through the power of the Holy Spirit through the resurrection of Christ in their lives. But here's the question that I bet some of you are asking, because I know I process this as well, how do I tap into this power of God working in my lives? And then you could even ask, you know, Scripture says this, how does it work? What do you mean the resurrected power is inside of us? And all joking aside, do you turn it on? Do you, do you turn it off? Like, what do you do with this power? Have you ever seen this power used before? How have we seen this expressed? And if you have these questions, join the club. I can tell you from my own life, I've learned that understanding, and that's the key word, understanding the power of the resurrection in our lives, it's, it's a process. So what I want to do is I want to teach today through a prayer. The Apostle Paul, he's writing this from a prison to the church of Ephesus. And he writes this prayer, he says this prayer in nine verses. It's actually, in the Greek, it's one long sentence. (laughs) And so in these nine verses, I genuinely want to walk through how my prayers, listen to this, at the end of the lesson today, And look, some of you are at your house, some of you are in the kitchen. My wife and I, sometimes we sit outside on our patio, we pull up the computer, we listen to Aaron. Wherever you're at, my goal is at the end of this message, you would have a better understanding how to express the power, and you know, I would point back to this cross, I know you can't see this, but we have the the cross here at Dallas Bible Church, the power of what was done on the cross and how he came back to life. And so Lord, I just ask very simply that you would... Show us what this looks like today based on the Word of God. In your name we pray. Amen. So if you would, church, would you open up the Bible? I have it. I've done this as well, and I've opened it up here. I'd like you to go to Ephesians 1, and we're going to start in verse 15. Ephesians 1, verse 15, and 
Let's kind of just join in on a prayer that Paul does from a prison, speaking into the Ephesians. And in verse 15 and 16, it says this, this is why, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. And so what I love is, is the way Paul speaks is he already begins to breathe life into the church. He says, look, man, I love that you have faith to the Lord. He compliments him. He says, then I love that you love the saints. And, you know, when I read the, the emails that Dallas Bible sends out on a weekly basis, I love that you love this neighborhood. 70-some boxes, I believe, that came through the food pantry. You guys, that's to me a reason that we need to give thanks. And so Paul was doing the same thing with the Ephesians. He says, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my, my prayers. Now, granted, he's got a lot of time on his hands. He's in prison. But at the same time, he has fond memories in thinking of the Ephesians. And he says in verse 17, and this is kind of where I want to begin to launch the power of resurrection. Now, some of you are going to think, okay, when are we going to start di- uh, getting into this? I'm just going to tell you now, it's probably not going to be till the end. Because I believe it's a process. And Paul, after he's giving thanks for their faith and their love, look what he says. He says, I pray, I'm in verse 17 of Ephesians 1. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you, and now look what Paul prays. He'd give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. One of my favorite commentators, Warren Wearsby, he says, what he's praying for is not natural things. Paul's praying that they would begin to see the things that they already have. Now listen to this, through the Holy Spirit. I know in, in John 16, verse 20, John 16, 12 through 14, it's on the screen here. Jesus says, I still have many things to tell you. But you can't bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he'll speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he'll take from what is mine and then declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit, in Paul's language, in Paul's prayer, he is now praying that you now have, what does he pray? He prays that you get wisdom and revelation. Now, when you think of this word, praying for a spirit of wisdom, it's so important because to even fathom what the power of the resurrection is in your life, you have to have the Spirit of God give you wisdom to understand it. So you're going to see this definition. Tom Constable says it this way. Wisdom is this. It it enables somebody to perceive reality accurately. So when I think of the COVID-19, when I think of all the situations, you know, as as states begin to release the the shutdown, the shelter in places, they begin to slowly move into phases. And some states aren't even moving at all. Some countries overseas aren't even allowing people to fly in. Whatever the case is, Paul would say, God, give them wisdom to accurately look at the situation. There's a lot of deaths. The coronavirus is real. And there are people that are physically suffering because of this. God, give me wisdom on how I'm supposed to process this. Now, here's what he also says, not just wisdom, but Paul says, hey, look, I need you to have revelation, a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, that word revelation, okay, you're gonna see on the screen here, revelation is is the unveiling of the subject contemplated. Do you know what that means? It means that it can only come from a supernatural source, a spiritual disclosure to humans. So Paul says, look, the only way you're gonna grasp what I'm gonna talk about it has to come from the Holy Spirit. If you try to fathom this with your mind or even the flesh, you're probably not going to process this. It's too far out there. That's why Paul says in his prayer, I'm praying for a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation. I love this verse in 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11. Now God has revealed these things to us by how? By the Spirit. 
For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who among men know the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God? You know what this means? It means that when we talk about the power of resurrection, the only way you can fathom this is through the wisdom and revelation of the Holy Spirit. Now, what I love about Dallas Bible is that we clearly have embraced, once you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing weird. There's nothing strange about that. So we are asking now God, Paul says, God, I I need you to reveal yourself in this topic, in this situation to the Ephesians. I think sometimes when we ask for the spirit and this wisdom, I'm not talking about facts. I'm not talking about, oh, I know my Bible well. No, I'm talking about an intimate relationship with him. I actually believe that when we begin to understand in Genesis 4.1, it actually talks about how Adam was intimate with his wife Eve. I'm actually talking about that type of intimacy. Will we have this type of intimacy with the Spirit of God? So why? So that we can understand the depths of him inside of our, our lives. God wants us to know him intimately. And Paul says, please give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation for what I'm about to talk about. You know, when you talk about to know him Wearsby, Warren Wearsby says it well. I want you to know him personally. I want you to know him increasingly. And then he says, eventually, when we're with him on the other side of heaven, I want you to know him perfectly. You see, one of Paul's main goals in in life is based on Philippians 3.10. And he says, my goal is to know him, and listen to this, and the power of his resurrection. And then he continues on, and the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul's goal is the same for the Ephesians, please I want you to know him beyond that which you can even fathom or think. And that's why it has to come from the Spirit of God. That's why he says, I'm praying for a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of, what else is it? A revelation. And then he adds one more. And it's kind of a weirder word, enlightenment. Let me just tell you something. I want to clear up any theological questions you might have. Whenever you hear this word revelation, I'm not talking about a revelation from the Holy Spirit that's above the Word of God. I'm not talking about a revelation that would trump the Scriptures I'm talking about a revelation that would confirm the truth. And so when you have wisdom and revelation, now he's saying, I pray, look in verse 18, he says, I pray that the perception of your mind may be enlightened. Some of your texts, some of your versions might say at home that the eyes of your heart might be opened. I love this because I believe that the Spirit of God can show us who he is. You ready? This through the five senses. All throughout Scripture, I actually believe that the Spirit of God can allow us to see. Give me the eyes to see. I believe that the Spirit of God can give us the ears to hear. Strangely enough, in Psalm 34 and in 1 Peter 2, I actually believe we can taste and see that the Lord is good. But these things only come from the Spirit of God. I believe in 2 Corinthians 2, it actually talking about the spreading of the aroma. I believe the inner man, the Spirit of God, can show us the smell, and even the touch. Now you can say, man, that's, that's pretty far out there. I just want to open your eyes. That's what Paul is praying for. God, open their mind and their eyes to ways that the Spirit of God wants to speak to you. Because when we talk about the power of the resurrection, we're not going to even fathom that unless the Holy Spirit begins to show us. That's why I love Paul's prayer. I want to do something I, I don't normally do, but I feel like... Um, I feel like this is important. I'm going to go educational on you for a second. <laughs> and what I mean by that is I'm going to quote a guy, and I might even say his name wrong, Abraham Maslow, Maslow and Gordon Birch. Both of these guys, they, some of them would say it comes from one of these guys. All I'm going to say is, is one of these guys, it's attributed to this. And in, I want to show you this. When you talk about knowing something, 
The process of learning is four things. The first thing is called, this is big words, okay? Uh, Maya, try to write this down for me, will you? Unconscious incompetence. What does that mean? Unconscious incompetence means I don't even know that I'm supposed to know this. I actually believe that the church, I'm talking generally speaking, not necessarily Dallas Bible, I actually believe many in the church don't even know that we have the resurrected power inside of us. So if we don't know it, how do we even tap into it? So that's the first phase of education. You have to just simply recognize. So the first phase is many of us are just ignorant. It's not a negative thing. That's just a learning process. And so now I want to transition to number two, which conscious incompetence means, oh no, now I know this, but I don't know how to do this. What do you mean? You're talking about the resurrected power? I've heard of it, but you want me to do what? With what? Like that's the process. And so you're aware and you're super hesitant. You don't even want to go there. But yet in the learning curve, my prayer is, is by the end of this message, you'll begin to number three, Maslow the Birch says, there's conscience competence. In other words, I know that I know how to do this, but I, I just don't do it well. But yet you're growing in this and you're aware that, wait, something that I'm learning, I can actually walk out. And then the final phase of this process of educational learning is unconscious competence. This is my prayer for you today, is that you would get to the point so much that when we start talking about the resurrected power inside of you, it becomes so natural and spirit-led. You don't even question anymore that God's moving in your life. That's why Paul is praying for wisdom and revelation and enlightenment, because you cannot do anything that we're talking about unless it's from him. And so to me, it's a learning curve. I don't know which number you're on, one, two, three, or four. Either way, we're starting. And that's what I love about what we're asking and talking about today, because listen to Romans 8, 11. It is one of my favorite verses. That's why you have no idea when Aaron talked to me and said, hey, would you talk about the resurrected power? I like, I, my office now, I've been moved, you know, our time of office has moved to my house. <laughs> and I'm upstairs where our guest room is. And when I got this text on resurrected power, I literally just jumped through the roof. Because Romans 8, 11 says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Do you see this? The fact that the Spirit of God who raised Christ from life is now inside of us. Then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through the Holy Spirit who lives in you. I just so badly want the church to feel and understand God wants to move through your life. And for me, uh, it's an overwhelming truth to embrace. And so I want to transition from Paul's prayer. It continues on in his prayer, but that's why you have to understand he's praying for wisdom, he's praying for uh, revelation, and he's praying for enlightenment because these truths are important to now when we drop this bigger stuff. And I, I actually talked to my wife, Laura, about this. I was like, man, this is kind of, where I'm going to go now, it's, it's kind of a lot. Like, this isn't just a good couch surfing sermon. <laughs> and I know some of your couches are amazing, by the way. No, this is going to take you to a different place because it's the Word of God. And the Word of God is alive and active. And so here's, here's what I want you to understand. Paul prays, listen to this, you guys, in verse 18, so that you may know what is the hope. Paul is praying that you know the hope of his calling. Okay, now when you hear this, that's just kind of a lot of a Christian sentence, isn't it? It's kind of like to know the hope of his calling. I can't tell you how many times I've walked around processing this. You see, what Paul wants the Ephesians to know is, okay, you have an assurance of God's calling on in your life. So what does this look like? Well, first of all, I'm going to state the obvious. 
We have the hope in the assurance of our future. We actually have a home if you have trust in Christ. We actually have a home in, in heaven, as it says in Colossians 1. And so when Christ returns from heaven, because remember, the way he went up is the way he's coming back. It says that when he comes back here on earth, he's going to, listen to this, call for us, as it says in 1 Thessalonians. The body of Christ is going to, please hear me say this, going to be called. Okay, wisdom, revelation, enlightenment. Lord, show us what does this mean. The church is going to be called, and I want you to have hope in this process. Well, if you take the Greek word ekklesia, you know, there's different ways that you can look at it, but one of the ways that I really like is when you take the Greek compound and the segments. I know that sounds heady, but hang on here. When you take that and you combine it, it can mean called out. The church can be called out. And so as soon as I began to study that, Jesus is going to what? Call the called. So in order to understand the power of his resurrection, first and foremost, you guys, Jesus is going to call every single one of us when he returns. Why? Because you and I have been set apart. You and I have been called out of darkness. We've been called to glory. We are to be different, and I love this text. We are his chosen people, and this living hope can only be found in Christ. But I think you have to understand, in Romans 15, verse 13, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You didn't do anything to deserve this, by the way. I didn't do anything to earn this. Now, in fact, some of you have seen, there's a church in the Richardson area, First United Methodist Church in Richardson. They have these signs that say, hope is not canceled. You know why hope's not canceled? Because hope is in something bigger. Hope is not in me. Hope is not in the situation with jobs or finances or food or relationships. Our hope is simply in him, in the death and resurrection of Christ. Now, this is where I want to be a bigger picture. Why would we talk about the hope of his calling? Why would Paul want us to even know this in order to understand the power of his resurrection? I got to tell you, I asked the same question. In fact, after Aaron's sermon last Sunday in Freedom, I, was, I closed up my laptop and I was outside and my phone rang. And as soon as my phone rang, I looked at it and I was like, oh, this is a good friend of mine who's an ambassador of a Central American country. It's middle of a Sunday morning. So I answered, I addressed the gentleman and I go inside my bedroom and I just start talking to him. And I was like, why is he calling me? He just wanted to check in. He loves the Lord. And when I hung up the phone, I wept. You can say, why would you weep over a phone call? Because at that moment, the Lord showed me, I'm an ambassador for the Lord. You are an ambassador for the Lord. And guess what it takes? Faith in Christ, and that's it. We have to know that we have hope in his calling. He's calling the church. We're set apart. That that's it. I'm not talking about gifts. I'm not talking about talents. Simply because of your faith in Christ, you are called. That sets the tone for the resurrection power inside of you. You have to establish the hope of his calling. And I have been called. You have been called. To me, that's what started this process of, okay, God, now what do you want me to know? And I'm so thankful that we began to study this Ephesians 1. I don't know if I would have gone here for this text. So you see, when I begin to understand the macro picture, that I didn't do anything except that he's just calling his children because of faith in Christ, that's really refreshing. All because of a phone call from an ambassador. He called me because he cares. He called me because I'm being set apart. 
And when you look at the other part of verse 18, I'm back in Ephesians 1. So think about this, right? It just says this. uh, We want to know the hope of his calling. And so what? What are, we want to know, what are the glorious riches of his inheritance among the saints? Look, I'm telling you, I understand. This is not with kids running around. It's kind of crazy right now. Some of you are getting some coffee. You're coming back to listen. Like this whole sentence is one of the glorious riches of his inheritance among the saints. I'm like, what? Okay, so if you have, remember, Paul's asking for wisdom, revelation, and enlightenment. If you now understand that your hope is in Christ calling you when he comes back. Does that make sense? Not because of anything else you've done except your faith in him. He's calling you. Now, what does he want us to do with this calling? I'll just say this riches, this inheritance. I want to break it down. Nelson's commentary was a, a, a resource that I used throughout the seminary days. And Nelson's commentary said, we are God's inheritance because God paid dearly with the blood of his son. So we, you and I, are God's inheritance because of what Christ did. And Paul writes to believers that he's praying that since we're God's inheritance, that we would know what the riches are of his inheritance. So what does that mean? Okay, think about it this way. I love this text. And it, it's kind of a lot of meat to chew. I understand If we are being set apart for his return, remember, if we have been, if we are wholly set apart for his calling, right? And he's given us an inheritance. Warren Wearsby says it well. He says, God will get glory from the church because of what he has invested in us. What that really means is is that God doesn't deal with the old self. He deals with how he sees us in the future. So when he looks at you, when he looks at me, he's coming to call for you because he already knows you've been redeemed and he sees the potential in your life. Paul prays that we would see beyond ourselves. Now, I want to make sure you understand, I'm not talking about identity in the Lord. I'm not talking about a child of God. We've already established you have hope in his calling. You are already a child of God. No, what I'm talking about is how does the Lord see us in the future and what he's given us with the talents, the gifts, the characteristics. And one of the greatest examples in scripture for me that helps me understand this is Gideon. (laughs) You know, an angel of the Lord, possibly the pre-incarnate Christ. He appears to Gideon. Now look what it says in Judges 6, verse 12. Then the angel of the Lord, he appeared to Gideon and he said, the Lord is with you. I love this. Listen to this. Mighty warrior. You know what Gideon's response was, right? It was It was classic. It was typical. He looked around. Now think about this. He was just threshing wheat on a wine press, hiding from the Midianites. And an angel of the Lord says, by the way, you're a mighty warrior. I'm pretty sure that's not Gideon's thoughts. And in Judges 6, verse 15, he says, please, Lord, how how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the youngest in my father's house. In other words, God identified Gideon as a valiant warrior because he saw something bigger than what Gideon saw. He saw down the road Gideon. And Gideon couldn't even fathom this. He saw himself as a weakling. And I have to tell you, sometimes I find myself in this category. It's a challenge to see really how God sees us. But I got to ask you, what does the glorious glorious riches look like in, in my life? If God sent the son to die on the cross for me, how am I experiencing his riches in my life to point people to him? He did the same thing with Simon. As soon as Simon started walking with the Lord, what does he say? You will now be called, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which means rock. Jesus saw something different in Simon. Parable of the talents, Matthew 25. What are we doing with his riches that he's given us? 
We already know we've been called. Now remember, this is all building for the power of the resurrection. I believe that when we begin to express what he's given to us, we might begin to tap into something. You know, the last couple of weeks as I've been processing this since Aaron and I dialogue through text about the hope of his calling and the riches, I have to tell you, I, I, I haven't had an angel of the Lord show up to me. You know, I got to be honest, I, I haven't seen some radical song that spoke into my life that changed my name. So how do I transition from the hope of his calling to experiencing these riches? And I began to pray, and the Holy Spirit began to reveal himself. Romans 8, 14 says, those that are led by God are called the sons of God. And so very clearly, the Holy Spirit said, Kyle, I want you to print out the text that you've received and the emails, and I want you to print them out. So I did. It's kind of crazy. Nine different people had texted me. I'm going to say a word, and I'm going to back it up here in a second. Had texted me prophetic words. Now, what do I mean by prophetic words? In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, it says, But the person who prophesies speaks to people for edification, for encouragement, and consolation. These texts and emails were breathing life into me. Because as we're in this quarantine season, like many of you, have, you, have any of you ever processed, what am I going to do when we get out of this? How am I going to get through this time? How am I going to have an impact for the kingdom of God? And he said, Kyle, I want you to read these texts. Now, when I say these things, please understand, I want to, I want to tell you why I'm saying these things. One of the texts says, Kyle, you're going to be a voice for him. And they sent me a Mr. Potato Head. Because I did a video earlier on in my ministry that the Lord allowed me to have, and it was called Find Your Mouth. And over and over, people were challenging me, Kyle, it's time that you start speaking. It's time that you start releasing the word that the Lord's given you. And that's the text. It's an opportunity that God has prepared. Kyle, I need you to be my messenger. But I was still wrestling with this. And so literally days ago, days ago from this message, I had two guys show up at my house, social distance. They said, hey, I need you to go to this place. We go to a park. We sit six feet apart. We all have our little chai lattes. And they began to speak into me based on this. And they said, Kyle, we believe in you. We want you to release what God's laid on your heart. And so what I want to say to you is, you guys, when, when God confirms those riches and talents, it's time that we begin to walk them out. And that's what Paul's praying, that you would experience the hope of his calling and you would begin to release the things that God has given you. And the final point, as we, as we look to wrap up verse 19 here, it says, look, and here's what I want you to know, the hope, I want you to understand the riches, and then I want you to understand the power. Hope, riches, and power, it's not a prosperity message. It's experiencing the goodness of God in your life. Verse 19 says, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his vast strength? You see, what Paul wanted was the Ephesians to be able to walk out his perspective for their lives, to not only know about the hope of his calling and the riches of his inheritance, but he wanted them to have an impact on those, here it is, around them. This truly is a game changer for the kingdom of God. I believe the reason that we haven't seen a national move of God in our lifetime, and I think that's a fair statement, is because many times I believe as Christians we play the religious card, not the power of the Holy Spirit card. We have denominations, we have programs, all which God can use, and he does. I just wonder if he wants us to experience more. <laughs> that word power Dynamis, dunamis. It's a Greek word used to describe the greatness of the power. I love what Nelson's commentary says. It's called a spiritual, dynamic, living force. There's a spiritual, dynamic, full of energy, 
It can't be shut down. Living force inside of you. It cannot be canceled. And it's a power that God wants to use through us (laughs) and nobody else. So I have to ask a question. Why don't we? Let me put it a different way. Why do we need this power? So many of us have gone through life never tapping into the resurrected power. One, I can tell you, is because I believe many of us that even sit in churches across America, I believe they don't believe they've been called, which you have. If you have trust and faith in Christ, you have. And I believe that God's giving you riches that he wants you to experience for his glory. And when you begin to understand this process, you guys, you'll want to go one more step and experience the power of the Holy Spirit. But the reason we don't is because our flesh is weak. Matthew 26, verse 41 says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You guys, we can't do this without the power. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. When we understand and we surrender to him, when we recognize we are weak, God says, good, now I can move. And he closes out Paul's prayer. Paul's prayer closes out in 20 through 23. And he says, how does God demonstrate this power? He demonstrated this power in the Messiah, Jesus Christ, by raising him from the dead and seating him at the right hand in the heavens. Far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put everything under his feet, that's very prophetic, and appointed him as a head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. God's power we need in our lives. Why? Because God's power, as Warren Wearsby says, allows us to use his riches. Does that make sense? God's power through the Holy Spirit allows us to serve and serve well. Norb Heindel, he's one of the most incredible servants. The Lord has really laid that on my heart this last week. How does that happen? Because the Spirit of God is moving through Norb. The worship team, how does God move through the worship team? Because it has to come from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us to use his riches to get ready for his calling. And when I begin to understand this, 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. It is God's power that gives us everything we need to get through. When I look at one of the other reasons why we need the power of the resurrection, it's because the enemies want to rob us, ready for this? Uh, As Wearsby says, from, from his riches. The enemy wants to rob everything that you have been given. So some of you faithfully serve, you know, in the kids' ministry. You know, uh, you know after the coronavirus stuff, I, I don't think I'm going to volunteer anymore at DVC. You know, hey, I don't think I'm going to serve anymore. And see, what happens is the enemy comes in, he gets you comfortable, and he begins to get you to think, yeah, you don't need to do that. But when you rely on the Holy Spirit, you're like, yes, I want to serve in the kids' ministry. And oh, by the way, what else can I do to impact others for the kingdom of God? You see, the enemy wants to come in and rob you from what he's given you. Ephesians 6, 11 through 12 says, For our battle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. Why do we need the spiritual uh, power that comes from the Holy Spirit? Because I love this, what Wearsby says, because the Spirit of God allows us to fight the battle. (laughs) 
And think about this in Matthew 10. Man, I'm like sweating. <laughs> it's like crazy here. It's, that's just me. Matthew 10, verse 1, look what Jesus does. He says he's summoning his 12 disciples, and he gave him them authority, the disciples, to do what? He gave them authority over unclean spirits, to drive them out, to heal every disease and sickness, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse those with skin diseases, drive out demons. You're like, whoa. Look, the only way that this is possible is through the authority and the spirit that comes from the Holy Spirit. Look, if I was to say, hey, have I ever raised somebody from the dead? No, I haven't. I believe it can happen. You know, when we are to pray for people that are sick, how many of us do you believe that it can happen? Yes, but the only way any of that can happen is through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the reality of what we're talking about. And so when you think of the power of the resurrection, yes, God can do the miracles. Yes, God can, even in those songs, you know, he can slay the giants. God can release the demonic, absolutely. I've seen people in my own life released from the demons. God wants to set people free. That's the power of the resurrection. And so what we do with this power of resurrection sometimes is we like, well, that's not for me. <laughs> that's a little too much out there. I'm going to leave that for those guys. But what happened when I was studying for this text that changed my whole perspective is I believe the resurrected power does one more thing that every one of us can tap into. <laughs> I'm going to go back to this text here, and it says in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I believe... We're holding back the return of Christ. You can say, well, how, how could you say such a drastic statement? Well, one, if we believe that the resurrected power allowed us to be his witnesses, nothing would stop us from talking about him. Nothing. You wouldn't be afraid of interacting with your neighbors. You wouldn't be afraid to talk to, you know, the target person. You wouldn't be afraid to engage. Why? Because the Spirit of God is speaking through us. Now listen to this. Because He's given the riches to do this. Why? Because He's called us. Like it's a process. Because you've been called, because you've been equipped, you can walk out this with the power of God. And oh, dear Lord, during this season, awaken the church to the power of His resurrection. Man. You know, during the month of May, as we're just launching off, there's this, and Dallas Bible Church is very aware of this. In fact, we were going to actually hit the streets originally before all of this changed today. One of the plans was that we were going to be a part of what's called Go 2020, where uh, there is a, a, a ministries across the world that are gathering, uh, not like in person, <laughs> but they've unified and said, we're going to go out and share the gospel. Well, a lot of that's changed. And so you're like, okay, look, how does this work? How can I, through the resurrected power, go out and share the gospel? You know, for me, what's happened in the last 30 days is that it's been really interesting. I've had an opportunity to actually teach a group of Muslims in Jerusalem. And through the resurrected power, as his witness, one Muslim came to know Christ. And then you can say, okay, God, praise God, oh, this revived school that we've been doing. You know, what's been so interesting and so fun is this revived school. We taught through the Bible, Genesis through Revelation, for two years. It's now in Pakistan. And on Friday and Saturday nights at 1030, like the best time you can find, right? <laughs> at 1030 at night, one weekend, 131 Muslims put their trust in Christ. And you could say, well, Kyle, 
and I've heard this, I would expect that from you to go preach and have an impact and, and do all these things. Yeah, but that, that stuff gets me excited, but not like going to the Walmart on Quayton or Arapahoe and praying with the store manager that God would move in a mighty powerful way through that man to impact his employees. He's a, a neat man of God. You see, the resurrected power allowed me to see a person named Brandon outside of CrossFit, not because I was working out at CrossFit, by the way, uh, which I should, but as I was going to Brandon, I walked up to him through the resurrected power. I got to explain the gospel to him. And at the same time, as I went to Dickie's to pick up some food to bring home, I got to pray for a lady named Maureen because her mom was deathly sick. You see, I want to encourage you. When you understand the hope of his calling and you begin to embrace the riches in his life, you'll actually be able to express the power of his resurrection in your life. And I think for me, when I go back to the prayer of a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of enlightenment, and a spirit of revelation, why does Paul pray that for the Ephesians? It's so they and you and I can experience the Holy Spirit in ways we've never done. But you know, when you close up all of this, it's, a, it's kind of a, a meatier message maybe a little bit. You know, the disciples came back and they were excited in Luke 10. Do you remember this story? And they said, Jesus, we're excited. The demons are even submitting to us. The Spirit of God is moving. They're listening and Jesus knows what they're saying. He says, yeah, I know, you could trample on snakes even if you wanted, and scorpions. I've given you the power. The enemy has to submit, but I want you to understand. I want you to rejoice more than anything else because your names are written in heaven. <laughs> so even though God moves through you, it's all him. And some of you out there today, you're like, man, I, I, I want to know him this way. I want to know him intimately where the Spirit of God can move in my life. Well, first and foremost, every one of us has to recognize we all sin. Everyone. Romans 3.23 clearly talks about this, which then it says because of our sin, it leads to death. Every one of us is physically going to die and be apart from God. Sin leads to death, as it says in Romans 6.23. But here's the good news. Romans 5.8 says, but God showed us his love. He demonstrated his love by what? Sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. So because of his love, and I love this. I have a little wristband that helps me. It cancels out the death and the sin. His love wipes it out. <laughs> so today, as you're listening, you know, I don't know if you're listening to this later in the day or listening it here at this moment. He wants to give you an opportunity to know him. My Messiah is so real that he's giving you a gift and he says, all you have to do is put your faith in me. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. Faith that he, I died for you. He wants you to know that he died for you. He died for me. When you have faith in him, it then leads to what I have, this little green color. He wants to give you life. And I know you have abilities on, online right now to indicate if you are ready to accept Christ. And I think there's a little hand there, I think, is what it is. Whether you put that hand there or whether you email or write in, if you are ready to surrender your life. And that word surrender just means I'm ready to give it all up. I'm tired of this fleshly way of doing things. I want the Spirit of God to move in my life. If that's you and you want this life, then I want you to say a prayer that will begin to radically change who you are. 
in this prayer is, Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and Savior. I want you, Jesus, please, to forgive me of my sins. And I now have faith in you. If you said this prayer, you're thinking this right now, and you're releasing it out loud, the scripture says, you can rejoice. Your name is now written in heaven. You know, the the power of his resurrection, (laughs) it's life-changing. Not only does it give you life, But it will also guide and direct you every single day throughout this corona season and as we transition into the re-entering phase. And so I just want to say thank you for digging in today and learning more how to embrace the power of his resurrection. So Father, bless these that are listening. Encourage their hearts. And may each one of us continue to turn to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.